0: Well, hey, good morning. It's great to be with you. Hey, by the way, I'll give you one more chance. If you haven't grabbed communion yet, go ahead and go back on the back tables. There's communion and baskets. You can go grab it because we're going to sneak it up on you today, and I'm going to do it in the middle of my message. So don't be ashamed. Just go back and grab it. We want to say welcome uh, to anyone that's watching online. Welcome to all of our kids that are in here. It's Family Worship Sunday. And so we're finishing up our series on Courageous Faith. And I think that last song was a pretty perfect way to lead into this last week on Courageous Faith because I want to, I want to get something really clear here. As we talk about Courageous Faith, we're looking at stories in Scripture uh, of courageous faith, stories of people that followed courageously. Um, But but I want to make sure that we get the point of this, that the courageous faith, having courageous faith is not about us becoming greater or us becoming super Christians or anything like that. Courageous faith is about honoring and glorifying God. So when we say, Christ be magnified in me, that's why we want to have courageous faith is so that we can glorify and magnify God. And so today we're going to We're gonna wrap up this series and and we've looked at three different stories of courageous faith. I wanna go back through them really quick. The first story we looked at was the woman bringing perfume to Jesus' feet. Um, She was a sinful woman and everybody knew it in the community and Jesus was was eating with the important people and and she came in and, and she had to worship Jesus and so she fell at his feet and she poured expensive perfume. Here's the thing, courageous faith starts with worship. Listen, sometimes we fall into the trap in the church of just coming in and going through the motions. I love that picture. Courageous faith has to worship, to pour everything at the feet of Jesus. The second week, uh, we looked at the story of Peter walking on water, and one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And courageous faith sometimes is called to step out into what God's doing. I love that story. Jesus is walking on water and Peter says, hey, if that's you, call me out. And Jesus says, get out here. And Peter walks on water. Listen, courageous faith means sometimes we've got to get out of our comfort zone, get out of the boat and join him in what he's doing. That's what we're called to. Last week, Pastor Grace did a great job And she talked about the woman who had been bleeding for years and had been sick for years and kind of had no hope and no standing. But as Jesus passed by, she came and she fell at his feet and she just had to touch him so that she could be healed. She realized her only hope for healing, for wholeness, was Jesus. And so she physically stepped forward. And, And Pastor Grace called us to that last week, not to be passive, but to physically come to Jesus with any problems that we have. Today, we're going to look at a story in Joshua chapter 6, and it's a story, if you grew up in the church, you probably heard this in children's church or, or Sunday school. You might There's a song about it. We're going to sing it together here in a minute, but it's Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. You guys ready? Kids, you're going to help me out? Teens, I know you know it. Ready? Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. De- Beautiful, guys. Wow. That, all right. We're just going to keep worshiping. What else? Um, I, no, we, we won't do that. Um, so, so this, we, we're talking about the battle of Jericho. Now, I want to say this. The battle of Jericho, Joshua 6, it's kind of interesting because it's not really much of a battle when you read it. And it's funny because as kids we see this story, but, but what I want us to do today is I want us to see the real story and I want us to learn what it looks like to have courageous faith. And that song kind of teaches us that Joshua is this conqueror and that he fought this great battle, but, but really there's a different story that we see. So Joshua chapter 6, let me, let me catch us up on, on where we're at. The the Israelites had been called by God. They call, God saved them from bondage from the Egyptians. They had been in slavery, they had been in bondage, and God called them out and they began to follow him. And they went through this period of, of 40 years in the desert where they were wandering, where they couldn't get it right. They couldn't learn to be obedient and trust him. In Joshua 6, they finally gotten to the promised land. See, God had promised the people that he had a land for them, but they went through this whole journey because they just couldn't get things figured out. At this point, Joshua chapter 6, they have entered into the promised land and they come up to the place of Jericho. Now, Jericho was known for its walls. It wasn't the biggest city in the world. It wasn't the most powerful army, but it, was, it had strong, what was thought to be impenetrable walls. And so that's where we're at, Joshua chapter 6. If you'll stand with me. We're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to jump to 15, and then I'm going to jump to 20. Um, but, But here's my prayer, that God will call us through His Word, not through my words, through His Word, that God will call us to courageous faith and courageous obedience. Really, today, this story is a story about obedience. So, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, "...now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites." No one went out, and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Now march around the city once with all the armed men, and then do this for six days. March around the city for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of, of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And then when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now jumping now to verse 15. So they've marched around for six days. Six days, they marched around one time and did what God had said. Verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded... The army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Praise God. Have a seat. Great story. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You want to sing it again? I don't. All right, here we go. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. They marched around. This is a, here, there's three things I want us to see in this story that I think are so important to us. And let me just start here. So the people of God have been following... God has called them to the promised land. They've been wandering for 40 years and they come to a place where there are walls in front of them that the whole world, I mean, these walls were known for being walls that you couldn't get past. So I I, want to just set the context here and I want to say that sometimes I think we come to a place when we're following God, that we come to a wall that seems like there's no way past it. You could ask anyone in that time, and they would tell you there's no way to get past those walls in Jericho. I don't know, maybe some of you came in this morning, and, and you feel like there's a wall up in front of you. I mean, maybe there's something happening physically in your life. Maybe there's some relationships that are just way off. Maybe you felt God call you to do something, but you just don't feel like there's any path to do it, and you just feel like there are walls. I want you to hear the word of the Lord, and I want you to know that you can have courageous faith to be who God calls you to be and do what God calls you to do, no matter how high and how thick those walls are. So here we go. The battle wasn't much of a battle, was it? It was more of a a ceremony or a ritual. They marched around. They blew trumpets. They shouted. That's not much of a battle, is it? But but for seven days, we see this go on, and I want you to see in this story why we can have courageous faith to be obedient, because this is all about obedience to what God calls us to do. Verse 1, we're going to look at three different things. Verse 1 says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. All right, I want you to just close your eyes and picture this with me, okay? Go ahead. Let's get a visual in our head. The gates of Jericho, so the the Israelites have come up. They brought the army. They're outside of Jericho. It's got its great, powerful walls. Get this picture. It says the gates were completely closed up, barred up, and nobody was allowed to go out and nobody could come in. Why? Because of the Israelites. What picture do you get there? When you picture that in your head, what picture are you getting? Are you getting the picture? Because here's the thing. Let me just start here. Sometimes we see walls in front of us, and we don't see a way past them, and we think that the enemy has this grin on their face, and the enemy has this power over us, and we think those walls are too much, and that the enemies just looking to pounce on us. Listen to what the text says. It says the walls were securely barred, Because of the Israelites, nobody went out, nobody came in. Do you get the picture here? This isn't an enemy. The the people of Jericho were not confident. They weren't sitting there waiting to destroy the Israelites. They were cowering behind their walls. They were terrified of the Israelites. In fact, let's go back to chapter 5. It says, Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, listen to this, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites." All right, so let's just put this out there. Sometimes we have walls in front of us and we think that the enemy's standing up there all strong, looking at us, ready to pounce on us. What we see is that the enemy was actually hiding behind the walls because they were terrified of God's people. Listen, when you got walls in front of you, I want you to know the enemy is terrified of what God can do through you. Why were they terrified? Because they had heard what God had already done. And they were hiding behind their walls. And so here's what I want you to get. The first point that I want you to get is this. If you're in a place in your life or if God's called you to something and you've been following, but you just feel like there's a wall in front of you, you feel like there's something you can't get past, I want you to hear this. There may be big walls, But we serve a much bigger God. Listen, I I don't care what it is that's in front of you. See, those walls of Jericho, they were formidable. Everybody knew they were the strongest walls around, and you couldn't get past them. But, But guess what? God created everything that created those walls. And the enemy is hiding behind there, just hoping that the Israelites will get discouraged, and turn away. See, the enemy doesn't stand a chance against God. The only hope for the enemy is for us to get scared and lack obedience and turn away. Please hear this. If you're at a place in your life, if you came in here today with the weight of the world on your shoulders or you've been dealing with something and you just don't know how you're going to get past it, hear this promise. The walls in front of you are no match for the God that's with you. God is greater. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. If, if you're following God, if you're being obedient, you're going to come up against some walls. There are going to be moments where, where there are challenges, and, and you're not going to know how you're going to get past it. There are going to be issues. There are going to be relationships. There are going to be physical struggles. There are going to be… The enemy is going to try to set up walls that will keep you out. Listen, there will be walls. But God is greater. And God is with us. Verse 2, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This this is another, I love this verse. There's so many just little things in the text that if you really read them and pay attention, you'll see what's happening here. So the first thing is the enemy's cowering behind the walls because they know that God is greater. They know the only thing keeping them from being destroyed is those walls. And they're just hoping the Israelites will get bored and walk away. But then in verse two, we see, then the Lord said to Joshua, listen to what the Lord says. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Now, this doesn't make much sense, does it? Because if they're standing there, and they're seeing the walls, and the king and and his men are behind those walls, and they're thought to be, I mean, the the wall's intact, it's perfect, and God says, I want you to see that I have delivered. All right, for all of you uh, English scholars... What tense is that said in? The past tense. God's not saying, see, I'm going to. God's saying, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I've already won this battle. And it doesn't make sense for us because the Israelites are standing at the wall and they're like, no, God, we can see it right there. And sometimes you have this argument with God, don't you? Where you say, no, I hear you, God, but I can see the wall. And I can see the, the enemy there, and they're intact. God says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. You know what God's saying here? The battle's already won. The wall may look like it's intact, but it is no match, and the battle is already won. And God says, I want you to see this, which is crazy, because when we look with our eyes, we see a wall. How do we see God's deliverance when there's a wall in front of us? When there's something impossible that we can't see past, how do we see God's deliverance? I feel like I I say this all the time, I feel like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again because it's it's just the truth. We see deliverance by seeing the God who delivers. See, these Israelites, it wasn't their first time to come up to a tough place. When they left Egypt, they they got to the Red Sea, and the enemy's following behind them, and and they're in trouble, and all they can see is water, and, and they don't know what to do, and what happens? God parts the sea, and they go through. And then they go into the desert in 40 years, and they don't have enough food, and they don't have enough supplies, and and what happens? They can't see the supplies, but all of a sudden, God provides, and God feeds them. And so here the Israelites are. They're at the edge of the walls. They're, They're standing at Jericho, and God says, I want you to see that I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Listen, we can see victory I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what's in front of you or how formidable it is. You can see victory if you see the God who always is victorious. We have victory. If God calls you to it, God will deliver. God has delivered. This is His battle, and He is victorious. So here's the deal. I want you to get your communion elements out. We don't usually do this, This, but we're going to take communion in the middle of the sermon because I want you to see something really important as we take communion today. Go ahead and start opening it up. When we take communion, we understand. You guys know what this symbolizes, right? This is the body and the blood of Jesus that was broken, the blood that was poured out. I want you to see an example of this Jericho situation right here. God says, I want you to see that I have delivered you. The disciples have been walking with Jesus, and they gather with Him, His last supper with them. And Jesus takes a cup, and He takes the bread, and He says, this is My body, this bread represents my body that is broken for you. This is right before Jesus is going to go to the cross and die. He says this is my body that is broken, that will be broken for you. Take and eat. So I want you to take it and I want you to eat. And know that Jesus' body was broken for you. And then Jesus said this really cool thing. He said this cup is the blood, this represents my blood, the blood of the covenant, the blood that's poured out for sins. And he's with the disciples right before he's going to go to the cross and his body's going to be broken and his blood's going to be shed. And he says, this cup represents my blood that will be poured out for you. Take and drink. But before you do, hold on. He says this. He says, I won't drink it again with you until I drink it with you in the kingdom, in eternity, Take and drink and know that Jesus' blood was shed for you. And now let's see the beauty of this whole thing. Because Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he says, hey, my body is going to be broken and my blood is going to be shed. He's forecasting what's going to happen in the days to come. The enemy is going to kill Jesus. And you know what? The enemy thought that putting Jesus on the cross was the greatest victory they could have and the greatest defeat that we could suffer. But what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, my body's going to be broken, my blood is going to be shed, and it's not defeat, it's victory. Can you hear this for me? When the enemy thinks it's winning, when the walls are up, when we think there's no way, God's greatest victory happened when the enemy thought they won. Jesus' body and blood were given for you, and we have victory because of this. And so today, I want you to hear this. If the battle's for God's purposes, we can be sure that it's already been won. The enemy has no power. The enemy's hiding behind walls, hoping that the church, that Christians don't figure out how powerful the God they serve is. Sometimes I'm convinced that the enemy has more faith than we do because the enemy knows who God is. The enemy is terrified of who God is, and we get scared. But we serve the God who's bigger. We serve the God who's greater. And whatever battle you're facing, if it's for his purposes, hear me. God's already won. You don't have to worry about it. God has won, we have nothing to fear because God always has and always will be victorious. Now, does this mean that your life's going to be totally easy and that nothing bad's ever going to happen and that, you know, it's just going to all be sunshine and rainbows for you? No. But here's the truth. Our God is greater than anything you face, and our God has already won victory over all of our enemies, which brings us to the the battle. Let's go to the battle part. God commands them. He says, I want you to march around the city. The first day, just march around the city one time and then stop. And then I want you for six days to march around the city one time each day and then stop. And then he says, on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. And then when they blow the horn, I want you to give a big shout, cry out. Okay, so so God's brought them to the walls. They see the walls. They're formidable. They're intact. And God says, I want you to see the victory. See that I've delivered them. I have delivered them into your hands. And then he says, I want you to march around for seven days. Think of what the people are thinking here. Think about how this must have felt. So, so, God's got the victory, He's already delivered it, and you want me to march around once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, you want me to march around seven times, and then you want me to give this big shout. What kind of strategy is this? The Battle of Jericho, I mean, what kind of strategy? Why? does God want the people of Israel to march around day after day after day? Because here's the thing, we know this, they start the first day and they march around the city and they do their thing and they get done. And what happens? Someone answer it, don't be afraid. What happens? Nothing Nothing happens. Imagine... Day one, God's already brought you to the city. He's brought you so far. He says, I've already delivered the city. Now I want you to march around for seven days. And the first day they march around the city and they get done and they look. Wall's still there. Not even a, not even a stone has fallen off of the wall. It's still there. Day two, okay, well, day one didn't work. Let's try it again. This seems like a good strategy. March around again. They get done the second day. What happens? Nothing. Nothing. Third day, nothing. Fourth day, nothing. God says, I want you to march around for seven days. And at the end of that seven days, seven times around, I want you to shout. And they must have been thinking, what are you talking about, God? Why would God do this? Because we've already established that God is greater than the walls, that God could snap and have the walls down. We've already established that God, God has already won the victory. Why would God have the people march for seven days? Are you, are you getting it? because the battle is already won, but we've got to learn obedience. The marching was not about strategy. The marching was about trust and obedience and confidence in who God is. See, we said it earlier, God had already won the battle. The only way we can lose is if we stop short of obedience. Please listen to me. Some of you have been praying for other people or praying for something. Some of you have been in battles that you've been fighting for years. Some of you are in battles that maybe you've been fighting for weeks, but they seem like there's no way out of them. Some of you are dealing with things in your life that just look like walls and you don't know how you're going to get past them. Maybe you've been praying. Maybe you've been marching. Maybe you've been obedient. And any of you ever feel like you've been marching for five or six days, and you don't see a single stone that's fallen? Megan and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, that sometimes it's easy to get discouraged because you can do the right thing over and over again, and you don't see anything happening. But God is teaching them something. God is teaching them obedience. God is teaching them to be obedient to Him, and God is teaching them that it's not what they do that matters, it's what He does. He does. And so they march for seven days, and they learn to be obedient. Listen, I just want to say this to you. If you've if you got some walls in front of you, don't stop marching. Don't, I don't care if you've been praying for something for 40 years that you know God wants you to pray for. If God calls you to pray for it, keep praying for it. If God calls you to do something and you don't see anything happening, keep marching. Keep doing it because our God is the God that wins. Our God is greater. There's a book. One of my favorite books is by Mark Batterson. It's called Circle Makers. If you haven't read that book, I would really encourage you to get that book and read it. It is a great book. The whole book is about his church and his journey. Mark Batterson's a pastor and I believe he was in the Washington, D.C. area, and and they had all these challenges in the church. They needed more space. They, need, they believed that God had something to do. They believed that God called them to something, and so God called Mark Batterson to do something really weird, to just start walking around city blocks praying. Sounds a little bit like Joshua and Jericho, doesn't it? just walk around these blocks. And then he's walking around like bad parts of town. He's walking around businesses that have already said, you're not going to get the business. And he's walking around just praying, just being obedient. Please go read the book. Story after story of God breaking down walls and delivering. Our God delivers. I listened to some sermons in preparing for this, and one was by Stephen Furtick, and it was a great sermon, and and he says this, obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. Why did God have them marching around for six, seven days? Because they had to learn to completely trust Him. They had to learn that it's him who does everything, and they need to be obedient because the truth of the matter is, this isn't going to be the last battle they face. This isn't a, some of you have walls in front of you, and you want to get through them, and you think, if I can just get through this. But listen, I've been alive for 41 years now, and I've been through a lot of battles and a lot of walls, and there's always more happening. We have to learn obedience because we serve the God that's always victorious. And like I said, the only way the enemy can win… The enemy can't win. The enemy just wants to drag you down with them. So we need to learn obedience. Worship team, come on up. I love the end of this, verse 16. So number one, three things. Number one, our God is greater than any walls that you face. Number two, the battle is already won. You don't have to worry about if God is going to be victorious. It's already settled. You can be confident in that. Number three, you need to learn to be obedient, to keep marching, to keep praying, to keep walking, to keep being obedient to God. I love verse 16. They've marched around seven times. Here comes the time they, they blow the horn, and Joshua says, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Let's, once again, let's not read this too fast. shout. For the Lord has given you the city. If you just read this text on your own, you will be tempted to think that the shout knocked the walls down. It's tempting to think that, right? Because it says, if you do this, then the walls will come down. And they march around seven times, and the seventh time they shout and the walls come down. So we're tempted to think, okay, great. The shout knocked down the walls. No, listen to what Joshua says. He says, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. Listen, the shout it is not, it's not about showing our strength or our accomplishment. It's showing our faith and praising the God that delivers. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to stand with me. We're going to sing a song and, and the song says, I speak Jesus. And in the song, it says, shout Jesus from the mountains, shout Jesus in the streets Listen, today I want us to respond to God's Word. I want you to know, I know some of you, maybe even it's just something as simple as you're having a tough year at work, things are difficult, maybe there's people in your life that you're struggling to get along with, somebody that won't forgive you for something, or maybe there's something you feel like God's called you to do and you just don't see how it's going to work out. Listen, our God is greater than any wall in front of you. Number two, our God has already won the battle. Number three, you are called to be obedient keep marching. And today, I want us to respond to God's Word by doing the same thing that those Israelites did, by shouting. I'm not going to ask you to just yell and be crazy right now. I want you to shout and worship. We're going to sing this song, I Speak Jesus. And as we sing it, I want to encourage you to sing it with full confidence, knowing who God is, knowing what God's done, and knowing that the battle is His. So, we shout together, We worship together. Listen, I I don't care how you respond. Maybe some of you have some things. You just need to turn over to God. Maybe there's some walls in front of you and you just you're just tired and you don't see it. Maybe you need to come down and you need to surrender those. These altars are a place that you can just come and pray and say, Lord, I don't see it, but I want to give it to you. Maybe some of you need to kneel where you're at. Maybe you need to raise your hands and you need to shout, here's what I know. Today we need to worship. Don't miss this time. Kids, teens, adults, people online, don't miss this opportunity to worship the God who saves, who delivers. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Father, I pray as we worship you, as we praise you, as we sing and we shout your name, Jesus, I pray that we would do so in confidence, with courageous faith, that you're the God that saves. You're the God that delivers. You're the God that has delivered. You're the God that knocks down walls. So we worship you, we praise you now, and we, and we sing with everything we have in Jesus' name. Amen.